Good morning and welcome back. My name is Andy. I'm the lead pastor here at High Point Church. Always a delight to be with you, uh, worshiping wherever you're from, uh, wherever city, whatever country. Uh, great to have you here with us. Uh, we're going to get right into things today. And if for some reason this is your first time tuning in this year, let me let me go ahead and say it. I'll say it again. I don't think it's too late in the game. Happy New Year to you. Uh, we're in 2022. So we want to get growing this year spiritually. So we're going to get into it. Uh, I love amusement parks. I don't know about you. I love roller coasters. I love all the things that make an amusement park. Amusement park, the food, the candy, the souvenirs. I'm here for 100% of it. Not the lines, but I'm here for all of it. We had the pleasure, you're going to hear about this probably in the coming weeks as well, but we had the pleasure to take a few days as a Christmas present to our family at Universal Studios. And, you know, it was it was a blast. It was so refreshing for our family. And, uh, you know, you, you you sit in lines, you ride things, you buy things, you eat things. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what we did. And I have to tell you, one of the rides that surprised me the most, I had zero expectation going into it, was the ride King Kong. King Kong. And you walk into this ride, I'm not giving anything away in case you got plans to go there, but I mean, it's the most, it's this incredibly elaborate set for Skull Island and you're walking through it and you descend into this cave and it, it legitimately feels like you were descending into the center of the earth. And, you know, the lights are flickering and the torches are kind of going in and out and it feels creepy. And, you know, they literally have like dripping water sounds and and they have, no lie, this giant worm that, mm, gross, a giant worm that looks so real and it has this big mouth with these gross teeth and it's like slobbering and it's just, you know, it's slinking around in this case and you look at it and I kid you not, it looks so real. It's utterly revolting, completely disgusting and at the same time, awesome, okay? We, I, I was totally into it. I say that to you because... You know, there's nothing like going, and if you like details, uh, for me, I pay attention to, you know, the way things are made. Um, I, you know, in one breath, I, I'm excited by the ride itself, but then, then a switch hits, and I want to know how on earth they are doing this. How are they making this? How does this worm look so real? How does it have this, like, slobber? That looks so accurate. You know, I, how are they doing this? And then, of course, there's the little, there's the area that says no trespassing when you're in the line. You know, the tunnel that descends or goes up this flight of stairs. And the curious person in me, I desperately want to know where this goes and how they're making this work. No trespassing. That's like an invitation for Andy to, I mean, unhook the chain and discover what is going on behind here. I want to know what's going on behind the scenes. The, the, the reality is all of us, you know, you, you may not like amusement parks, but I think most people can appreciate hard work and work well done. And it was a really great job. And so um, I got to thinking while I'm in the ride, how much work goes in to creating the illusion of reality and how much we love it 
how much work goes into it, how much effort to maintain it. And I thought to myself, again, how many times we build our own more or less set around our heart that looks a certain way. It looks really, I mean, just unbelievable to the naked eye. No one would be able to tell that, 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 that this wasn't real life for you, that this wasn't who you really were. And yet there are also these areas of our heart that are no trespassing, that if, if people really got past this and they were able to peek behind the, the, the set that you've built in your heart, so to speak, they'd see what was really going on. They'd see how you really felt. They'd see how you were really living. They'd see what was really going on in your mind. We do this, and, and I have to tell you, it's exhausting living this way. And yet nearly everyone, in fact, not nearly everyone, everyone has a measure of pretending to be a little bit something that they're not. Sometimes it's a lot more than just a little bit pretending. Sometimes it's a whole lot. And Jesus has a lot to say about this. Sometimes we use the word religion and we use it positively, but I'm going to be using the, the word religion and religious in its negative sense today. When Jesus is speaking to the religious crowds, the Pharisees and the scribes, many times he has difficult things to say and he has what feels harsh things to say. And what he's really trying to do is break through the facade, the set, the, the well-designed you know, uh, structure that's been put around people's hearts, the hard-heartedness of an entire people. So here we are in Matthew 23. I think for some of you, you can relate to this. There's an exhaustion in your own soul of kind of pretending to be something you're not. Or maybe you think you're one thing and you've just gotten so used to the set being in place that you're fooled into thinking that this is actually your reality and, it, and it's not. It's just not. You've forgotten. Matthew 23, Jesus is, is preaching. This is his final public message before he ends up going to the cross. These are his, this is his final discourse, his final public ministry moment. And he says in verse 25 of chapter 3, he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, ouch! For you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they're full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first cleanse the inside of the cup and dish, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, exclamation point. For you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Inside, this is what it's like if you have built something that's not actually reality. In other words, the outside of the cup is different than the inside of the cup. Your life, Jesus compares it and describes it as dead men's bones. Now, when I hear that, 
all I can, all I think of is, is a pirate, right? And if, if kids, this is your moment, all right? If you're watching with mom and dad. In fact, mom, you need to elbow mom and dad right now. I'm going to give you permission to be a little bit goofy today, right? We're going to read this verse, and when we get the dead men's bones, you're going to, you, get, you have permission to say it like a pirate, okay? <laughs> there you go. When Jesus, in verse, what is it, 27, he says, you're like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside, I want you to hear it, full of dead men's bones. <laughs> dead men's bones. I mean, pirates of the Caribbean, do you not catch this? You know, I, I, I hear swashbuckling is happening to, in my mind when I read this. Dead men's bones, right? Understand, well, what, are, what are pirates famous for? They're famous for, for thievery and betrayal and murder. And guess who also is famous for such things in the scriptures, unfortunately? They're religious people. They are betraying God. They've betrayed Jesus. They literally have him nailed to a cross, right? Ultimately, it's the sins of the world that lead him there. But I think we can make the jump today. Dead men's bones is what your life looks like and feels like when your heart is really surrounded by a facade. And the outside of the cup, when you pay more attention to how it looks in appearance than what's actually happening on the inside. Religion, therefore, is cleaning up well on the outside, but being unchanged on the inside. And before you, you think, man, Jesus is just, he's being so mean, right? Catch his heart in verse 37, um, 37 through 39. Jesus says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. Jesus is brokenhearted over the condition of these people, of his people, the people that he belongs to, the people that he was sent on a rescue mission for. He's brokenhearted. He loves them like a mother hen. You see, you know, the a maternal, you know, aspect of God in this moment. Like a hen caring for her chicks, he's brokenhearted. But these people, what were they? They were unwilling. And the root of religion, the root of it, is an unwilling heart. Here's what an unwilling heart sounds like. A religious heart. A heart that has been become hard-hearted. A heart that has had something built around it that appears one way, but on the inside is another. I already know this, so I don't really need it. I got it. I'm good. Uh, I'm really bored. Church is boring. Faith is boring. The Bible is boring, boring. Okay. I'm good. Oh, I'm not singing the songs during worship. I'm just going to drink my coffee. I'm good. Fine. I'm not raising my hands during worship. Forget that junk. It's not my personality. That's just not who I am. I'm not going to do that. 
I'm not going to walk over and ask if they need any help. That's uncomfortable, despite the little voice in my head whispering for me to go and to be used. I'm not going to do that. That's uncomfortable. No way. I'm not going to adjust my schedule for a church prayer call or for a life group or a small group. I've got work. Even though I'm willing to adjust it for anything and everything else I'm interested in. No, I'm good. I'm straight. Thanks, but no thanks. Let that offense go? No. Nobody nope nope. Let somebody else have the last word? I, no. Invite somebody to church? Awkward. Increase my giving or start giving for the first time and respond once again to the little voice knocking on my heart? No way. Oh, you know what? How, how about letting God affect the way that I speak, the way that I treat people? How about letting God actually put his finger on my sex life and actually make change and adjustment and transform things that are difficult, things that are important, things that, I, that are very dear to me? God doesn't have, he doesn't have control over that. He, that's not his throne. That's not his place. That's mine. And guess what? When we do that and live that way, what you have essentially done is built a really great set, just like King Kong. And you've put up a little sign that says no trespassing. And you don't get to come past here. You can stay in the areas where it looks really good. But beyond that, mm-mm. You don't come back here. And what that really is, is religion at work. It's pride. And like Jesus says, which we'll use for the rest of the message, it's, it's an unwilling heart. And what is it that we're unwilling to do in this moment? It's acknowledge our real need before the Lord. What do you need? See, we can pretend that everything is fine and we can pretend that everything is good and we can pretend that we've got it all together, but the truth is it is pretense. You need Jesus. You need God, the Father. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. And the longer you act like you don't, the more well-defined and well-erected this, this facade becomes and the harder your heart Becomes for God to get through and break through, which is why Jesus brings the lightning and the thunder right here. Woe to you, hypocrites, because it's hypocritical to pretend like you don't need God and to act like you've got it all together. Your life is actually like dead men's bones. Once again, maybe I should not go to some amusement parks. Because clearly, I'm into it, right? Okay. I grew up in the church. Um, loved going to church. I was a youth group kid. Uh, grew up in a great family that loved the Lord. Was raised by Christian parents. And went to a Christian university. I mean, check, 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 and check. And interestingly enough, I had friends at college that went to the big church down the street. And I didn't like this church um, because, you know, my friends would come back and they just were too excited about things. They were too excited about God. They were too excited about inviting people to church. They were too excited about silly things like praying or reading their Bible. I mean, come on, enough is enough, right? I mean, you're acting a little bit crazy here. Give it a rest, okay? Okay. 
And the reality is my, my anger and finger pointing, much like the Pharisees did, it was really a reflection of my own conviction that was beginning. The reality is I didn't feel that way. And because I didn't feel that way, I was judgmental towards anybody else that did. The reality is if, if I grew up going to church and I was raised in a Christian home, well, then I should have all of that as well. And if I don't, it can't possibly be because anything is wrong in my heart. It's got to be something else. Clearly, whatever they're cooking over there, it's got to be fake. It's emotionalism at its best. Boo, boo, and more boo. And so we got to a place where we just didn't even really talk a whole lot about faith in church. But secretly, full transparency, I looked at my friends and I knew that there was something happening in their heart that wasn't happening in mine. And I wanted it. These friends invited me to come home with them. I went to college in Nashville. And so, uh, you know, they every once in a while, you know, you got a holiday weekend. And so we went to Lexington, Kentucky, where some of them lived. And I was the one who woke up. I woke up before everybody else and I'm eating breakfast with parents of the family that we're staying with, literally just me, right, in the kitchen. And, you know, they're asking me about faith and, 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 and asking me about just my relationship with the Lord, et cetera. And, and literally, I, I kid you not, my heart, just, my heart just started to stir. I don't know how to really even describe it. And sometimes there are moments with God and moments in the Bible that aren't really very easily articulated. And this is one of those moments for me. And I was planning to drive home to St. Louis. And I'm literally in the driveway in Lexington, Kentucky. And I sense this voice in my head saying, get in your car right now. Drive back to Nashville and drive straight to this church. And I did not want to do it. My pride did not want to do it. I had been the biggest voice of deterrence towards anybody even being associated with this church, with this ministry called Every Nation. Please. You know, I, I didn't want anything to do with it. And yet here I couldn't describe. It wasn't this audible voice. It just was this, it was like a pounding in my chest. You need to go and you need to go right now and drive straight there and don't look back. So this unwilling heart that had been unwilling for years as a student had a moment, had a choice. And I decided, okay. So I got in my car. I drove back to Nashville, drove straight to the church. And who do I find in the lobby of this church? But a college pastor, his name was Trey Rollins. And I just walk in and I'm like, hey, this sounds absolutely insane, but I just felt the need to drive here. <laughs> I don't know who you are. My name's Andy. I just drove here from Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, I live you know, at SoSo and I go to this university and, and Trey says, oh man, I live like 30 seconds from you, 1604 Shackleford Road. That's where I live. That, literally like across the street from where I live. We began to talk. I began to share my story of loving God, but somehow something was just 
missing and how I'd hit the brakes and, and how, you know, it, it was one thing to know God here in my mind, but the minute God actually began to move into my heart, into the no trespassing zones, this is where I began to stiff arm the Holy Spirit and stiff arm God. And I didn't want that because it was uncomfortable. And I didn't want that because, because it, it was bringing me into territory that was unfamiliar. It was a little bit scary. It was no, it, it, it was just, I didn't understand. I didn't know it. Despite having grown up in church, and an entire body of people can relate to this in the Bible, when Jesus steps onto the scene, the religious people, they don't understand. Jesus has stepped in, and they don't know, they, they, they can't grasp this. The miracles, the preaching, the ministry, what Jesus was asking of them, this is crazy town. What are we supposed to do with this? And Jesus was asking them to do one thing, for me, to go from unwilling to willing. For their hearts to become humble, for them to acknowledge their need that, that more than religion, what they needed was relationship. They needed to be changed. And I needed that too. And that's not to say that I wasn't a Christian, but the reality is God loved me enough not to leave me where I was. And he began to pound and knock and kick down the facade of religion that I had built and erected around my life. And some of you have done the exact same thing. And I have great news for you that God Almighty loves you enough not to leave you there as well. And, and being here in Georgia, let me tell you something. There's a lot of religion in our culture. People know what to say. They know how to present a certain way. But it doesn't always mean that their heart has been changed or transformed. It doesn't mean yours has. But God is after your heart and he loves you enough to not leave you where you are. So I started meeting with Trey. He's, he, you know, he asked if anybody has ever laid, a, you know, has, has, have I ever had a found, spiritual foundation like laid in my life? I'm like, no, that sounds weird. He's using words like discipleship, which I didn't grow up using that kind of verbiage. It sounded strange to me. He's like, hey, you know what? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to, we're, how about we just start reading the Bible together? Here's this thing called the Purple Book, a little foundation book and guide. And we began to go through it. And he's asking me about things like repentance and the Holy Spirit and lordship. And the truth is, all of a sudden, these things are just coming alive to me. It's as if I'm hearing them for the first time. And yet, I knew it, but I was really knowing it. And I was experiencing life and I was excited and I was moved to tears and I was pumped and I, you couldn't shut me up. I began talking about God and Jesus to everyone. I became like my friends did. I began inviting people to Bible study across the street at 1604 Shackleford Road. I began inviting my fraternity and talking to my frat and sororities and friends and people in the car and people on the way to Fox's Donut Den. And, and I just couldn't, you couldn't shut me up. I was so excited about what God was doing. And the reason I was excited to share about, about it was because there was life 
happening inside of me. It wasn't just religion. It wasn't just knowledge. Something was coming alive. Students started coming. They're hearing the gospel. They're hearing about Jesus. And just like me, same thing begins to happen. We began to fill up the bathtub at, in Shagover Road and began to baptize students one after the other. And then we started getting into the, we got to the pool at our university and began baptizing people in the pool. And an entire campus ministry was birthed out of a simple Bible study in a simple moment where unwilling went to willing. I remember the first service where I, I literally lifted my hands as the tears came down because I was, I was finally, and it's not about lifting your hands, but I was finally willing to just surrender anything and everything. And for me, this is what God was asking me to do. And, and so up my hands went and the tears came down and I just, I, I was surrendering to the Lord everything and anything. He could have my dignity. He could have my pride. He could have my reputation. He could even have my career, which was finance and economics. And I remember calling mom and dad and saying, I think I'm called into full-time ministry. And they thought I'd lost my mind. Initially, they thought I'd go crazy. And you know what I had? Become a fool for the Lord. And student after student started putting their faith in Jesus. What was one campus ministry became two, became three. I started doing some work, just even tracking some of the students that came out of it. One went to, moved to Australia, became a missionary started planting churches. Another went on staff at Gateway in Texas and is now the pastor of an incredible church in Cincinnati. Another is a lawyer, another a restauranteur, all loving Jesus, doing well, following him. And I just was, I was moved to tears. And don't hear this as, as, wow, look what Andy did. No, 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 no. This was what God did. God just happened to break down the facade around my heart and this is what he did through just one and two people who were willing to say yes, who were willing to say, okay, you can have it all. Willing to say yes to relationship. and Reject just having religion. See, if an unwilling heart leads to the dead bones of religion, then a willing heart leads to the vibrant, life-giving relationship that you desperately really want with Jesus. And when you taste it, there's no turning back. So what about you today? That you're watching online. Where are you? What area of your heart has been unwilling? What, what area of your heart have you taken the, you know, the, 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 the King Kong chain link fence ride and, 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 and closed off the, the, you know, the area and said, no trespassing. You're not allowed in here. You don't get in here, pastor. You don't get in here, Jesus. You don't get in here, friends. You don't get in here, mom and dad. No way, Jose. It's not happening. Where have you built that? Are you hiding behind serving on Sundays? So you don't actually have to really engage during the preaching or during worship? Because what that really is, is just building a facade. It's building a set around your heart. 
Is it worship for you? Is it, is it engaging in a small group? Is it taking the next step of letting people in? Is it literally repenting of what you know is not right? Turning from sin and letting God really have his way. Would you have a heart today that isn't just unwilling, but rather willing? Would you let God move? Would you let him in? Because if you do, I promise you're going to experience the life that you really want. Father, I pray right now as those of us uh, that are watching online. Lord, I pray and thank you for just a divine moment right now, even as we're watching on camera and watching on screens. Lord, there's nothing that you cannot do. Lord, and I, I pray even now that you would break through our pride and you would break through the religious facade and the hard-heartedness that we have. Lord, the set that we've built around our heart, break through it right now. And I pray, Father, that you'd move us from being a people that are unwilling to a people that are willing, a people who, who willfully invite you in and give you everything. If you're sitting here this morning and you're watching or whatever time you're watching this and you know, I need to put my faith in Jesus. I've been holding out. Then today's your moment. Say, Jesus, you are my King and my Lord. And today I put my faith in you and I choose to follow you with everything I have. I turn from any sin that I know in my life and I'm inviting you right now to convict me and change me and transform me. It's in the precious name of Jesus that we say amen. Here's what I want to invite you to do. If you live in the Atlanta area, I want to invite you to take a step further into church community. Um, getting involved in a small group and a life group. We're going to begin actually a Purple Book challenge and initiative here in the coming weeks and months. But if you don't live here, right? And maybe you live in a different city. I want to encourage you to take a step and, and get connected to a, a great Bible preaching local church that you can walk in community with people, get involved with it and begin growing. You need that. You need it. Take that step. God's working. He's moving. We're thankful that you're here with us today. We'll be right back here next week. Love you. See you then.